are we doing, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Nosebleed Seats. Uh, it's our third episode here on Arrowhead Live. We have loved every bit of this so far. Um, I know we came over from our original podcast, which has now been name changed. We'll get into that a little bit later uh, at the end of our show here. But with me, as always, is my good friend, Marcus Baker. Marcus, how are we doing tonight, buddy? I'll tell you what, Jordan, I'm doing pretty dang good. Um, things, for the most part, are pretty quiet here in small-town Pittsburgh, Kansas. But I'm just looking forward to yet another episode of the Nosebleed Seeds here here with you. So, how you doing? You know I'm here. Uh, it's a little more noisy up here around my parts here. Um you know, I know there's some writing and stuff like that at the Capitol building here in Topeka, but nothing too crazy. Uh, not like Kansas City or Atlanta or any cities like that, but, uh, you know, it, it's tough times right now, and hopefully we can move past that here pretty soon. But let's talk some football, shall we? Yeah, for clarity, you meant protesting, not rioting, correct? Yes, yes, that's what I meant. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. But um, we're going to talk some Chiefs news here. Um, you know, kind of up-to-date stuff. It's going to be like this until we get the preseason rolling. But uh, we're going to talk about the Chiefs releasing of wide receiver Felton Davis on an injury exception. Um, and they had, they resigned a player there also. And then we're going to talk about Steven Nelson's Twitter tantrum. I cannot wait to get to that one. That's probably going to be my favorite uh, part of our show today. But then we're going to talk about the Chiefs training camp plans. Um, the word came out that they will not be going to St. Joe and that all 32 teams will practice at their team facilities um, in their towns there. So let's go ahead and get started on this release of Felton Davis. Uh, Felton Davis was a guy that I thought had potential, Um, you know, a little more outside the practice squad. I thought, you know, as an undrafted free agent, I thought he actually had a chance to maybe come in and play. Our wide receiver room is crowded, and with the Chiefs re-signing of Gary Dieter, um, you know, earlier, it, it makes sense. The move does. Um, I'm not sure about this guy that we signed, um, you know, in the corresponding move, Andrew Sorrell. I guess he made the uh, team up until the final cuts there to get the 53-man roster. So what do you know about it? Well, um I mean, like you said, he was a guy that made it to that final cut week there in week four. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not 100% sure. I know he, he was an undrafted uh, free agent last year out of FAU. And I think FAU is where Lane Kiffin was coaching, correct? I think he still is, isn't he? No, he got the old Miss job. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, FAU is where Lane Kiffin was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he came from there. So we know he's already had some experience with pretty good coaching staff at a lower level of competition, but good staff there at FAU. And like you said, he competed last year for the for the 53. Unfortunately for him, he fell a little bit short. But with uh, Juan having some injuries and maybe potentially not being ready for week one, adding depth at the position for a guy that got to see a little bit of what Spags was doing last year in the scheme during camp, and ultimately, he could just be a camp body, but in the same breath, if Juan's not ready to go, um, I definitely welcome as much depth as possible at the position early on in the year. Right, and I, I like to think that he showed something. If he made it all the way to the final cuts, you know, that's four weeks of preseason, so that's four weeks that he was 
doing some things right. So obviously he's got some potential. Uh, you know how he uses his reps is up to him, but you know, like you said, it could just be depth uh, or a camp body, but that remains to be seen. And uh, you know, hopefully training camp starting here soon, we'll start to hear some stories. So um, let's go ahead and move on to our biggest topic of the night, and that is Stephen Nelson. I never hey, thought quick, I would. Sorry, go ahead. To interrupt you. One thing I want to touch on. Because the last article that I just released, um, which I plugged and everything in our uh, most recent KC Tailgater Show episode that y'all should check out as well, uh, that posted up this evening as well. But um, on that article, I broke down skill positions and guys that we should keep, cut, and trade. And surprisingly enough, I actually had Felton Davis in the 53. And I had Garrick Dieter on the outside looking in based on ability on the football field. So I thought it was interesting to just kind of, this was really the first instance where I got a little bit of taste of humbling or whatever, what have you, since we've really started, started this thing here at Arrowhead live, just kind of, kind of cool to see me take maybe a risk on a guy that I thought had some potential. Unfortunately it backfired, but in the same breath, Garrick Dieter also is a good player, and I think he'll be the guy that ultimately gets that spot. But yeah, in that article, I did have Felton Davis making the roster as the sixth receiver. So that didn't come to fruition, but I still stand behind what I said for the reasons I said it. But I, I do expect Dieter to now make the roster. So I just wanted to clear that up because as people go back and read that article, it may look a little bit skewed now that we have this information that he's been released. But it is a non-football injury, so... I think that played a big part into it. We don't know the details, but when a guy gets hurt outside of the game, a lot of times that can be their demise because that looks negative in any aspect because you've got to keep your body healthy unless it was just a freak accident. And like I said, we don't have the details, but I did want to touch on that just so as people see that article, they're not like, oh, well, he – yeah, because I did that previous to uh, to this move. So for the ones of you that check that out, just know that, that that was a projection, and unfortunately it backfired, but that's kind of where I was at with that. Way to cover yourself up there. <laughs> Way to cover yourself. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, Steven Nelson. I never thought I would hear that name again, uh, you know, with anything having to do with Kansas City. But here we are. He's still a little crybaby, and he is now calling the Kansas City Chiefs front office racist I do not get it you talk to Tyron Matthew you talk to Frank Clark they absolutely love the Chiefs front office just because they didn't offer you what you wanted in your contract makes them racist Steven Nelson what in the absolute hell are you talking about I do not understand what brings someone in that position that has that NFL platform to call someone racist just for not getting what you want. I don't get it at all. Do you have do you have any reasoning behind it? I have no idea. He has done nothing but trash Kansas City ever since he left. He cannot focus on his own team because he is so obsessed with Kansas City still. They got a ring without you because you're a sorry-ass corner and you got burnt by Philip Dorsett. I don't even know where Philip Dorsett is now. 
but you should be calling Philip Dorsett daddy. Yeah, not complaining about the Chiefs front office. Yeah, I just, you know, anyone you talk to says that they're all stand-up guys. You know, they have, (laughs) I mean, they, they have one of the most diverse coaching staffs in football. I just, I don't get what can bring a person to say something like that that is completely untrue and it, it's unnecessary. I just, I don't get it. Right. And the big thing for me is he behaves and throughout his Twitter rants, that really the first big thing from what I had seen, he came out, Brandon Marshall, the former Broncos, or actually Complex Sports, they did an article on Twitter and was quoting some statements made by former Broncos linebacker Brandon Marshall when he was going through some issues in Denver when he was kneeling during the national anthem. Well, Tyron Matthew retweets it and basically apologizes for not standing firm with Brandon Marshall and being more supportive. Just says, I'm sorry, man, I should have stood taller with you in these times. Nelson retweets it and states, Kansas City, no better I see what they did to Marcus Peters when he took a knee. Stay woke. Like, I'm sorry. I was very upset when we traded Marcus Peters. But I never one time in a million years thought the organization's racist for trading him. They traded Marcus Peters because of his antics on the football field. He made a lot of selfish and immature decisions that jeopardizes the team at times. He had multiple penalties and personal fouls that cost the team field position, and in a couple games it cost them meaningful meaningful uh, leverage in a game. And, and don't forget like, that he had an altercation with the coach as well. I'm pretty sure he punched a coach, or at least... Yeah, he punched a coach. i seen somebody put... Uh, Marcus Peters put a coach and a half Nelson, and uh, Steven wanted the full Nelson. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's comical. I And we know Marcus Peters was a guy that was a risk. We got him as late as we did in the first round because he had a falling out with his coaching staff in Washington at the University of Washington. Ultimately led to him getting kicked from the program. He was a great talent, but at a certain point, your antics as a person can outweigh your talent. We saw the same type of situation with Kareem Hunt. Not to compare the two, because Kareem Hunt's much more extreme, but you can't lay your hands on a coach like that, that's not going to fly anywhere. So don't pull race into this scenario combined with the fact of the way he would behave on the field. That's not how Andy Reed runs things. You don't handle yourself in a negative way and like a child and stay on an Andy Reed football team. That's not how the man operates. My he deal is people, to just, my deal is to shut the hell up. Like right. you weren't good and you weren't good in Kansas city. You've been in Pittsburgh for two years now. Worry about Pittsburgh. Quit worrying about Kansas City. Right, and these Pittsburgh fans on Twitter, nonstop, you guys put him in the wrong system. You didn't put him in a position to thrive. He's a top-end corner. No, he's not. He has Minka Fitzpatrick behind him. He has Terrell Edmonds behind him, and he's opposite of Joe Hayden. The other talent in that secondary is what secures and blankets his mistakes. I don't even have to watch the tape. I know how the man plays football. He has one of the worst abilities to get his head around and find the ball that I've ever seen. 
from a, somebody of his measurables as a corner. I mean, he the has dude had one interception. Advantage. He had one interception last year off right. a tipped pass. Don't don't get me wrong. His numbers were much improved from what they were in Kansas City. But like I said, look at the talent around him. When he was in Kansas City, they had a young Traverius Ward playing. Um, let's think about this. Peters, of course, was there, but the last year Peters was not there. I don't believe. Um, Eric Berry was a shell of himself, and I think Ron Parker was the opposite starting safety. That group is not comparable in talent. So in that position, he was illuminated because he was one of the more talented players and one of the healthier players. So people more or less are going to see, oh, well, he's making mistakes because all eyes were on him. All eyes are not on him in Pittsburgh. In my opinion, he's at the bottom of that secondary. I would watch Mike Hilton closely before I watched Steven Nelson there in Pittsburgh. So I think a lot of times his ineptitude and inefficiencies are blanketed by the talent around him there in Pittsburgh, and their fans are just delusional. I mean, we've seen it for years. They thought Martavis Bryant was the greatest receiver on earth, and I don't think Martavis Bryant was that solid. I think he was a product of that system. It's just how the fan base is. I want to tell um, our listeners here, you know, we've told the other guys that do the Arrowhead Life podcast, we told them this story, but Steven Nelson, I think it was, what, when did we go, Marcus, 2016? No, it was 2018 because it was Patrick's first year as a starter. And it was Steven Nelson's last year. Yes. Yeah, so that makes sense. So he's, he's only to, been in Pittsburgh one season then. Right, right. And I'm, I'm looking right now, actually, his season in 2018 with the Chiefs was better than 2019, and he was still awful. So to call himself a great corner is one thing, but I, I want to tell a story real quick. We went to training camp in 2018, um, and Steven Nelson, or the corners were doing one-on-ones with the wide receivers. And Steven Nelson got absolutely torched by then-rookie Byron Pringle um, out of K-State. And a kid yells from the crowd, which is right near the end zone where they were working, we're worried on that one, Steve. And I'm not kidding when I say this. Steven Nelson literally ripped his helmet off of his head and screamed at this little kid. He spiked the helmet. He spiked his helmet. They and just turned. started screaming at this little kid. This little kid was about seven, eight years old. That right there tells you all you need to know about Steven Nelson. Right. He can't handle criticism. And you're right. I just pulled it's up from his a statistics. Kid, dude. The kid's seven years old. Right. And I don't understand these Steelers fans' argument. You pull up the stats. I mean, yeah, you may be able to break up like an advanced stat where he's like percentage allowed on like the deep analytics is one thing. Those numbers don't always tell the whole truth. I like to look at the box score. That usually tells you in the secondary how a guy's producing. He had four interceptions in 18 with the Chiefs to one in 19. Uh, 15 pass deflections with the Chiefs, eight last year in Pittsburgh. And he played one less game last year in Pittsburgh. So don't sit there and tell me that the man is a top-tier corner because he put up better numbers in Kansas City, and I wouldn't have paid him $3 million a year over three, let alone 10. I think he got 10 years over, th- or 10 million a year over three years, I think. I think his contract was in the 30s. It may have been in the mid 20s. Regardless, the man didn't put up better numbers last year, so don't sit there and tell me he's a good corner because I watched him play when he put up better numbers, and I wouldn't have him back for nothing. I'd rather have Rashad Breeland every day. And don't tell me it's a system thing either because the Chiefs won a Super Bowl without him. 
So obviously we didn't let a good piece go. You know, I just, and and you and I both know how Brett Veach is. He don't let good pieces go. If you've got the talent, you're on this football team. We didn't win the Super Bowl by accident. He doesn't let people that deserve to be a part of the Kansas City Chiefs walk. Philip Nel- or uh, Stephen Nelson, I apologize. Uh, he didn't do that. He wasn't on that level, and he didn't deserve to be a part of this team, in my opinion. His antics, his attitude, and his lack of ability made him a liability. And when you're asking money like that, you're not going to get it. You're just not. When personnel staff like we have in Kansas City has seen what you can do and isn't that impressed. And don't get me wrong, Pittsburgh has a good uh, personnel department. It's one of the top flight in the league. That's a fact. But they don't know Steve, uh, Steve Nelson like we do. We've seen the man for four years. We know his ineptitudes. We know what he's good at. Is he a sufficeable average corner? Yes. Is he a guy you pay $10 million a year? Absolutely not. Yeah, he is not on the Chris Harris level or the Byron Jones level, or he's not even on the Kendall Fuller level. And he was wanting, I want to say before that, he was wanting eight or nine million from Kansas City. That's not even going to happen. You are not even the third best corner on the team, in my opinion. Know your worth. I say that all the time when I'm talking about players and their contracts. Know your worth. Granted, I'm not an NFL player. You know, I'm not going to say that I'm better than you or anything like that, but you got to know how much you're worth, man. You see it right now with Dak Prescott. And we just talked about that on our Casey Tailgater show. Know your worth. Dak Prescott, you are not Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. You're closer to Deshaun Watson than you are anybody else, I think. Right. But Steven Nelson. Shut the hell up about Kansas City. You're in Pittsburgh. Worry about Pittsburgh. I mean, he's he's calling he's calling the Chiefs racist. I'm pretty sure Mason Rudolph called Miles Garrett the N word. Did he not? It's it's up for speculation. Some say he did. Some say he didn't. But like, look in the mirror of your own team, man. Quit worrying about us. We are fine without you. We've been fine without you. We're okay without him, but I guarantee he ain't going to be okay come the next time he's lined up across from Tyree Kill. No, he's not. He can't can't keep up with Byron Pringle. What do you think? What do you make? What makes you think he's going to keep up with Tyree Kill? Yeah, Sammy could turn him in circles, and we know it for a fact. I one just la- one last thing I want to read off of these uh, direct tweets. Yeah, go ahead. Uh. To paraphrase, because he uses some curse words in there that are pretty, pretty raunchy. Uh, they think they was in them contract talks. Hilarious. Just so, shows how racist that city was. Like, if you're going to, I mean, come on now. Why are you cussing? This, like, this should not be a big deal. You left the team. You got your payday. Your fans treat you like you're a top tier corner. Why are you even complaining? He has everything he wanted in Kansas City and Pittsburgh. You wanted to leave, bud. Take your four or five million and shut up. You're still on a Super Bowl team, and you probably just want to ring. But that ten million you needed put you in a position to where your star running back left 
your young running back wasn't what you thought he'd be last year. Your quarterback's about out the door, and you have one good receiver. So have fun stepping into Arrowhead for the years to come because I guarantee you, after the way you've been behaving on Twitter, Patrick Mahomes is going to slice you and dice you the whole game. Don't think these I mean, guys holy, aren't seeing this. I mean, holy crap, dude. I mean, if you listen to Marshawn Lynch, he says get your chicken or protect your chicken. But you're worth one chicken, not 10,000 chickens. <laughs> like, I'm serious, dude. I can't I can't understand what makes someone like that want to say things like that. Like, get Kansas City out of your mouth. Like, yeah, are you just, that obsessed with – you know, the mediocrity of the Steelers that you have to try to bash the success of Kansas City and the players that they brought in right. just because yeah. they didn't give you the contract you wanted. And I don't want to sit here and say the Steelers are mediocre because that defense last year was dangerous. But that's not because of Steven Nelson. He's at the bottom of the list of why that happened. At the very bottom. I put Mike It starts with him. Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, and... Uh, Casey Hayward? Or not yeah, Casey, Casey Hayward, Cameron Hayward their defensive tackle. but And to sit there and call the Chiefs racist is just laughable. Look back to the old days in the 60s. Hank Hank Stram, uh, Lamar Hunt, they were were innovators. With the exception of the Cleveland Browns, they were the first team to really embrace the African-American player and turn that team into a predominantly African-American team. And they were very, very successful. You think about the legends like Willie Lanier, Buck, uh, Buck Buchanan, Bobby Bell. The Chiefs changed the game. The Browns, I think, were the first team to do it, but the Chiefs embraced it under Hank Stram, and they were very successful because of that. The Chiefs have been an open-minded franchise. Yes, we play in the Midwest, so we understand that. It is what it is. This organization is not a racist organization. They give everybody the right to compete they give everybody the right to succeed if you don't go out there and succeed that's on you don't call my team racist or this organization racist because you didn't step up and play the way you needed to to secure the bag that you expected that ain't on us that's on you and if you think clark hunt for one second is going to allow that i mean he wasn't even allowing players to you know kneel when they were doing the whole uh kneeling which now that's a little bit of a sore subject but he flat out told the locker room, if you kneel, you will no longer be a part of the Kansas City Chiefs. And that wasn't a racism thing. That was no, it's just a respect thing. level. Yeah, it was a human uniformity thing. They came to a conclusion as an organization. It's not based on race. The league as a whole, for the most part, had that similar mindset. Most of the owners were against the idea because they were worried it would hurt revenue. And the Chiefs were a part of that group. And they have the right to be. The man is a billionaire. The man has put this organization in a position to succeed. What he says goes. Now, with recent events, we may see things a little bit different this upcoming year, especially with what we've seen recently on social media from Patrick and Tyron Matthew and them voicing their opinions on what's going on in the world and stating their pride in being African-American men in the United States it may change because they're cornerstones of our organization. And if it does, it would be because the outlook of it's changed in the world. I think Clark was just unifying with what the league was doing as a whole. It had nothing to do with his personal opinion as a man. 
I just, I don't get it, man. I don't think I'll ever understand what brings a person to talk down on another organization just because they didn't get what they wanted from them. I mean, it's, it's just jealousy. Yeah, it's jealousy. He's mad he didn't win the ring. It's all, that has to be. Because everything Let's go ahead else, and move on. We got, got we got about five and a half minutes here left. Uh, I, I can't talk about him anymore. I really can't. It's just it's my, my blood is boiling. It, it yeah, really is. Well. But news came out just the other day. Uh, the NFL has officially released a statement saying that uh, teams must hold their training camps in the team facilities. They won't be allowed to travel. So, unfortunately, that means no Chiefs in St. Joseph this summer, which is a bummer for us because, you know, looking to get out there and see the Super Bowl champs as well as new rookies and some undrafted free agents. But I think there is some plus sides to it. I think your team chemistry is, I mean, it's great to begin with already, but these new guys is just going to help them out. Being around strictly team guys, um, you know, they don't have the all the fans chirping and all that stuff and all the hype around training camp and whatnot. I think it's good for chemistry. For an already potential Super Bowl champ, I think that's huge for chemistry. The only downside I see to it is those young guys aren't going to know how it feels to play in, in front of those type of fans yet until they get to the preseason games, obviously, which you never know. There might not even be fans there. Yeah. But I want to get your take on it because I know we're both really disappointed that we can't be there in person. But I'm curious your thoughts on having it at the team facility. Like you said, there's some positives and some negatives to the situation. It's disappointing for us as fans, especially coming off of a Super Bowl championship, just being able to be around the team. That's really where we get our closest access to the players at any point in the year. So that point's disappointing for us as fans and the Chiefs kingdom as a whole. But I think there's a lot of competitive advantage to being behind closed doors. These guys can get in tents. They can get in scuffles and there's no judgment. They can it'll just allow them behind closed doors to raise that competitiveness to an entirely new level, in my opinion. So I think that could be a welcome change, especially for these younger guys that are fighting tooth and nail to get a position on this roster, not having the pressure of, Oh, I can't go at this guy. And when the whistle stops, keep pushing because the fans can see me like that's not going to be there. I mean, they shouldn't do that anyways because they're teammates, but you know how it is. These, I mean, you've got a 300 pound. At the end of the day, everybody's competitors. So, and yeah, for sure. You know, there's players trying to make spots on the team too. So, I mean, it's, it's competitive. It's football. So it happens. It happens to every team. We'll be all right, though, to end the point. I think no other team, maybe, but potentially like your San Francisco's, your uh, New Orleans, the teams that are kind of just staying pat and kind of trying to run it back close to what the Chiefs did. Nobody else has been able to replicate the way that we kept our roster together, but some teams are close. I think those teams have a big advantage this offseason just because things are so abnormal. So I think the Chiefs will be fine. I think they're ahead of the head of the curve in comparison to the league on average. And I, I expect Andy Reid to be ready week one. I mean, the man's the most dominant coach, I think, of all time coming off of a bye week. So this is basically the ultimate bye week, I think, come week one. Chiefs are going to be ready to roll against the Texans. So. We can only hope. But that about does it for us here. Uh, a few closing statements, though. 
Uh, I know we said we were going to have our 50, what, 55-man roster projection. Now that I think they increased it by two, we were going to have it for you guys this episode. It's actually taken us a little longer than anticipated, so we will have that fresh for you guys next Saturday. We will get that posted and uh, you know out for you guys. Give us your takes on it for sure. Um, Marcus, I know you, we just finished uh, wrapping up a – episode on our own podcast, the KC Tailgater Show. Uh, it's a recently changed name, formerly the Forward Progress Podcast. Go give that a listen and a follow as well. We just had a great collaboration with uh, the I-35 Sports Connection. Go follow them as well. They do some fantastic stuff. Cheese fans living in Dallas. So, I mean, you get an outside perspective of guys that aren't close to here. Um, guys and gals, I should say. But, uh, Marcus, go ahead and give us the latest on your Arrowhead Live part- or articles. Wow, I can't talk tonight. Give us the latest on your Arrowhead Live articles, and then we'll uh, get out of here. All righty. Um, earlier this week, I released an article uh, titled Keep, Trade, and Cut, Chief Skill Positions Edition. Um, basically, cut and dry. It's the guys that I think are going to make the uh, 55, the guys that are be potential trade candidates, and some of the guys that unfortunately are just going to be on the outside looking in because of the talent that the Chiefs have in their skill positions. Um, Felton Davis was in that article. I actually had him staying in the 55. So, uh, definitely dive into that and see who I talked about on the outside in and just kind of plug, plug that person into Felton's spot. But thought that was interesting the way that that unfolded kind of a piece of humble pie for me, but it is what it is. You're, you win some, you lose some, but also, uh, later this week, hopefully in the next couple of days, I'm going to release an article on the three dream trade scenarios for the Chiefs to take the top off of the defense. Just adding more speed to the already ridiculous legion of Zoom there in Kansas City. I think there's a few guys that could be available on the cheap and potentially just pipe dream options for the Chiefs to bring in to make what's already the fastest uh, receiving core in the league even faster. So definitely be on the lookout for those. Uh, Is there anything else you want to speak on, Jordan, about Arrowhead Live right now? I do, and I – I think uh, the other guys would uh, have my head on a pole if I didn't mention it. There is some badass Arrowhead Live merchandise coming soon. Um, if you guys follow the page, which I'm sure you do if you're listening to this, you'll see some of the stuff that they have uh, posted out there. Um, some of the shirts, the hoodies, it's all out there, man, and it's awesome, awesome stuff. They have some shirts that say, Invite you trust, or we trust. Uh, there's some run it back shirts as well. Just some awesome, awesome stuff. And I know they spent a lot of time making that. So go support Arrowhead Live. Go support the Chiefs. Um, I know it's for a reasonable price. So please go out there and get it. I know I'm going to get my order in here pretty soon. And, uh, you know, definitely looking forward to getting some of that merchandise. Yeah. And for all you John Dorsey stands out there that was into the uh, crew neck sweaters, I think they also have some crew neck sweaters. So be on the lookout <laughs> yeah, for those sure they as do. well. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, definitely go check those out. Those will be on the market here very soon, I believe. So, uh, Marcus, you got anything to add? No, I mean, just for Jordan and Marcus here on another episode. You know what I mean? (laughs) Same story, different day. That's right. I am Jordan Anderson. For my buddy Marcus Baker, this has been the Nosebleed Seats. We'll see you guys next time.